and welcome to the third episode where we will be talking about meaning of life, creativity, justice, visual spatial intelligence and more with Eric Thor. Let's start. Instead of introducing the guest, I guess my first question will be, who are you? Well, uh, good question. Uh, I'm a, a Swedish uh, YouTuber uh, and make videos on the Myers-Briggs type indicator and the 16 personalities. So I got my channel, Eric Thor, and um, I've been on there since uh, uh, I started the channel 2007, but I've been posting uh, actively since the past five years. Uh, I'm known for making videos about the flow. Uh, and how the 16 personalities can find their flow state. So I believe everyone has their unique values and interests. And if you can find out what your values and interests are, you can maximize your energy and motivation and, uh, yeah, live a happier and more fulfilling life. Uh, that seems great. So instead of me answering my own questions, like what would be your, uh, your question for me? Well, first of all, I'm really curious, uh, why did you decide to start this podcast and what's uh, your goal with the show? So my goal for starting the podcast was that, first of all, I wanted to uh, connect more with others and basically get to talk to uh, other people more. And I thought that creating a podcast uh, could be a nice kind of way to create some kind of meaning behind it. So it's not just random that, hey, you want to chat or something, but that I would have something to actually go about and ask right. others to talk about. And also since uh, when I was looking at other at YouTube videos or other podcasts, these kind of interviews were probably one of the things where I saw that people were meeting uh, other people or new people the most, uh, because it is like probably one of the easiest way of collaboration, because if yeah. you want to work on some like uh, video or project, then it takes much more effort and time, but doing this kind of interviews, it's kind of very low production. Uh, so I thought that, well, I may as well try it of how it will go. That's really cool. And have you had any cool connections so far? Uh, so far I've been only asking uh, people that I've already kind of knew, uh, at least to, uh, some kind of level. So I haven't been actually trying to reach out to people with coming to my podcast as the first thing that I would talk about them and. I'm not really sure if that will be even a good strategy uh, to try to ask people directly if they want to come to my podcast, if they don't know me at all. Uh, so maybe I'm not really sure. First, I started with people that I knew a little bit and uh, wanted to test this out with them because I guess it would be easier to ask them. Uh, and when it comes to asking people randomly, uh, I may try it. One thing that I've been actually thinking about is that instead of asking other creators and uh, people who are used to uh, doing this kind of interviews and that kind of stuff, that maybe I will try to do it with strangers that I will just set up a time that I will go live and anyone will be able to join. But I guess with this, there can be some challenges. Uh, when you're just inviting random people and strangers you don't know. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I I'm guess the really most sure. important question is like, what kind of people are you looking to meet? Are you looking to meet with other NTs? Are you looking to have discussions on politics or philosophy? Like, uh, yeah, depending on that, that's uh, defines, you know, what kind of people you want to invite for the podcast. Right. So, um, what kind of people are you looking to connect with the most? Who do you enjoy talking to the most? Like what subjects do you enjoy talking about? I believe that I am not really like focused on any kind of specific category of people that I'm more or less open to talking with pretty much any, anyone, mm. uh, because I believe that everyone has something interesting to say yeah. and everyone can actually contribute, uh, with, um, 
either their personal stories or their knowledge that they have acquired or are also able to maybe even if they cannot provide some interesting answers they can actually ask some interesting questions because sure. also asking uh, questions is uh, important because sometimes uh, the best way to find an answer is to ask the correct question and that yeah. is also why i try to include or create a structure for this interview in a way that i would allow or incentivize the guests to actually ask questions because for example with you you are kind of an expert on psychology mbti or your own flow code that you're talking about and therefore you may be able to even come up with really good questions uh, regarding to these kind of things uh, and maybe if i will not be even able to answer uh, the questions uh, maybe the audience will uh, be able to think about them and provide their own answers because in a way even if we are answering these kind of questions sometimes it's not even the most important information that we say and how we answer those questions but it can be also an inspiration for others to think about their own answers yeah. and maybe to learn or gain clarity on their own answers for certain things you know there's something you said that was fascinating me a bit and that's uh regarding to questions and finding the right question uh it almost sounds like you have an ideology around questions or a philosophy around it like where does uh, that idea come from that uh um you have to find the right question to ask where how what made you start thinking like that i guess uh, my perspective on this is that sometimes you cannot find an answer because you're looking at it from a different perspective that does not mm -hmm. allow you to come to the right answer that you're looking for or you yeah. keep looking for answers that actually do not help you mm -hmm. not because the answers would not be actually answering the questions but maybe the issue is in asking the right questions yeah um, because in a way if you pose a really good question or ask a really good question uh, then the question itself may already provide an answer mm -hmm. indeed like the reason why i bring it up is because i was reading a series i have it actually right behind me on the bookshelf it's called spellslinger and uh, uh in the uh, he gets to meet with an oracle the main character gets to meet with an oracle and he gets to ask her anything because he wants to figure out you know the answer and what she tells him is, uh, you're asking me the wrong question. Uh, like she keeps putting it back to him, you know, like, uh, no, you, you, you can figure it out. You have the answer, but you just have to be brave enough. And he, she was insinuating here that he wasn't being vulnerable. He wasn't daring to ask what really, what he really wanted to know. So he went around it. So he sidestepped it. So, uh, it's, uh, they even have an art form around it. Uh, he, the author of it, he called it Art of Precise. Um, and it was art, the art of uh, precision or like being able to know like the heart of a matter, to be able to cut straight into something and see the very deepest essence of what something is. So yeah, it's when you're talking about it, that really made me think about that. Okay, great. So when it comes to uh, these kind of questions, I believe uh, that one question that we as a whole humanity cannot even agree or find the correct answer to because it depends more on the perspective you're looking at it or who you ask would be uh, the question on the meaning of life so what would be your perspective on trying to answer this question yeah because um i've been thinking about this question my whole life uh i'm sure most people have but uh i've been really thinking about it so um that's almost been the heart of my uh, studies you know trying to figure out you know where does meaning come from you know and uh i know some people would say that well you create meaning. whatever you decide to me is meaningful is meaningful uh but i've always kind of revolted against that idea uh because i believe that there is something that is meaningful to every person but we don't know what it is yet. So um, it's, um, 
yeah, like there's two possible answers. Either meaning doesn't ex uh, like either meaning comes from a god. That's three answers, uh, which I kind of uh, refute uh, to some extent because I think meaning has to be personal. It has everyone has their own meaning. You know, like uh, you could say it's from God, but you can say like everyone. It's still everyone has their own quest. You know, their own yearning. You know, in life, what they need to achieve in that sense. You can say that uh, this is the modern interpretation, you know, the postmodern one almost, you could say, which is, you know, you decide it yourself and there is no inherent meaning and you just, you just make it up, you know. Um, but um, I dare everyone, anyone who's like watching this show right now, you know, to uh, take a second to meditate, to step back into yourself and to ask yourself questions, you know, yes or no. Do I want to, um, I don't know, work in my current job am i happy you know and you'll find that you can answer those questions pretty well if you're really thinking about it and if you take a second to separate yourself from all the uh, bullshit <laughs> you know, could say and really to think about okay what is it you want you know if you can uh, take the time to meditate and get check in with yourself you'll find that you have an inner compass an inner meaning an inner answer that will constantly guide you if you let it so there is a meaning uh we don't, I don't, I can't say where it comes from uh, or what exactly the nature of it is. Maybe it's God's voice or maybe it's your own uh, self answering back to yourself in a mirror, you know, like uh, feel free to let me know like in the comments what you guys think, but uh, what you, uh, you Marty think, of course. Uh, but uh, for me, it's, uh, there's, there sure is something inside you that will tell you what the right answer is. And it will feel very, very right if you check in with it. I guess one of the hardest things is to actually try to come to, to an answer, because even though you may have some kind of feeling about it, it may be very hard to articulate. And one of the things I noticed that you actually uh, were, were saying is with the taking a step back and meditate and asking yourself questions that actually maybe the best way is not to start with this grand question of trying to answer the whole meaning as a whole but maybe yeah. you can start with answering smaller questions that yeah. are more easy to answer like yeah, you said break like, it down. like break it down do you like the job that you're currently doing uh, are yeah. you happy or li little things because even though they may not give you the whole answer they may actually at least progress you on mm -hmm. on on finding the answer yeah. and this is something uh, that i believe is important in order to not get stuck uh, is to focus sometimes more on the process rather than achieving the end goal yeah uh, because some goals can be very even daunting to try to achieve Mm -hmm. or they may be so big that uh, you may get overwhelmed and therefore breaking it down to small things and uh, getting progress will not only help you stay motivated maybe but mm -hmm. it will make you feel like you're moving somewhere you're accomplishing something yeah because in a way maybe nobody will be able to answer the question of meaning of life in a way that everyone else could agree on you shouldn't uh, try and uh, therefore maybe trying to articulate it from your own perspective uh, maybe the thing that is better to start with than to try to answer um, yeah. the big question as a whole you know what the ancient greeks did on the question of the meaning of life they just no. started making a whole lexicon of it like they just uh, took like uh everything everyone's they just like did a survey like with their with everyone around and they just put in you know oh for you it's gratification hedonism pleasure enjoyment for that person it's sex you know for that person it's uh uh being kind to others and for that person it's being smart or accomplished and then they just put all of it in a book you know like they, they saw that okay um uh, this is what the meaning of life is and uh, it's in there somewhere so you can kind of pick and choose what you like so you get your own like uh, smorgasbord as we would say in sweden uh with different dishes and you you just whatever resonates with you that's also what you know social psychologists do like uh there's this guy schwartz uh, uh he does his uh, yearly value survey and he just goes out and asks people across the world you know what do you value and then he just forms this whole map 
And he says, oh, yeah, these people value tradition. And these people, they value achievement, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, like, that's it. You know, there's a different meaning for everyone. So that's why we can't agree on it. Uh, but uh, there is certainly is a meaning. <laughs> it's just that it's individualized, right? Now, since you have been uh, in this area of psychology uh, and you have a lot of knowledge in this, do you think that there are certain kind of patterns in what people may try to navigate to when it comes, for, for example, meaning of life? Like if certain kind of personality types are leaning more towards certain answers and others mm -hmm. for different ones? Yeah. Uh, now, there's uh, two answers here. I'll start with the easy one. Uh, and the easy one is if you're an intuitive, uh, you value freedom, you value creativity, you value change, um, you value novelty, new experiences. If you're a sensory type, you value tradition, health, family, uh, roots, uh, having a sense of duty, responsibility, um, being loyal. And uh, if you're a feeling type, you value meaningful connections, connection to nature, uh, giving and helping others. And if you're a thinking type, you value achievement, uh, you value, to some extent, power, uh, accomplishment, intelligence. So um, this is the easy answer. You know, like uh, if you ask people across the MTI to fill out these surveys, you're going to find those are the patterns you're going to find. Um, but there is also a difficult answer, and that is that values get more and more complicated the older you get. So uh, when you get older, you start uh, becoming a lot more nuanced on what freedom is, or what being kind is, or what being successful means. So uh, you could say that the values get eroded, but what happens, what I'd say happens is just that uh, people learn more and more uh, to nuance their definitions, you know, from the black and white teenager, like, you know, oh, I just want to have power and I just want to be successful and I don't care about anything else or anyone else to, you know, learning that day. I want to share my success and accomplishment with other people. I want to spread like positive vibes and innovation and growth across the world and uh, do good things. You know, look at Bill Gates, you know, starting out with starting up uh, Microsoft and just doing his own selfish gain, you know, ways to create computers and later on, like developing to, you know, spread vaccines across the world. So people change and values get more complicated, but there are patterns. Now, since you mentioned uh, that there are some kind of patterns, but then it gets more complicated, then I guess you also believe that uh, learning about yourself from the personal types and psychology can actually help you uh, find a direction that yeah. uh, may move you forward in this kind of thing. And you even are talking about uh, your flow code. That is something that uh, I believe is unique to you that you came up with it, right? Yeah. So can you tell me more about uh, how, what it is and how you do, do define it and how can it help you? Yeah, uh, so it really is quite simple. Uh, when the people talk about the MBTI and the 16 personalities, uh, the first question is, you know, am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? Uh, but ultimately, how do you tell, you know, like, is it uh, just because you are have a lot of friends or is it like, how many friends do you need to have? You know, how, how do we make up these definitions? Like, why does it even matter that we talk about, you know, whether we're introvert or extrovert or not? Because most health, healthy people in the world can be both, right? So you can be outgoing and social and you're, you identify as an introvert, but you're running a podcast and you're looking to connect with people across the world and have good conversations, you know, like... Uh, so, you know, it's not that simple as, so I don't like to hang out with people or I like to hang out with people. Uh, so what I said is, uh, let's uh, try to talk about personality psychology from the perspective of what values we have and what interests we have and what gives us energy and what motivates us. So the flow code is really uh, that, that, the stating of, you know, uh, what kind of lifestyle would I like to live? and uh, how many, uh, how outgoing would I like to be and how, uh, uh, what kind of uh, 
things would I like to go out and do and what kind of interest do I find myself most drawn to and what things can I spend hours and hours doing, you know, fully focused and fully immersed without any reward or compliments or praise from other people. You know, what kind of things do I enjoy doing? And I'd say that's your personality type. You know, your personality is what you enjoy doing. It's not your current mask or persona. It's not, you know, what you learned to do because your parents told you to do it or because uh, your school expects it from you or because you're a boss of a company. You have to be a certain person, you know, but you have a unique flow type. So that's who you are at your heart. You know, if you are honest with yourself and if you think about what you really enjoy and what you really value, then you, then you know what kind of personality you are. Uh, that seems like a greater answer. Now, is there uh, another question that uh, you would like to explore or, or bring up? Yeah, I'm curious about uh, uh, you because uh, you are a video game developer, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where were you based again? Uh, I'm in Slovakia. Right. And uh, I see you've got like an amazing Funko Pop collection behind you. And uh, I was wondering, like, uh, uh, what do you enjoy about that? Like, uh, what what do you, what what kind of things do you enjoy the most? Like, do you enjoy your job, or do you enjoy your Funko Pop collection, or what kind of things do you do just for fun, like to get energy? Uh, when it comes to my job, uh, I'm basically a level des designer, so I'm creating uh, these kind of uh, maps and uh, characters and stories that basically the players play. And what I kind of enjoy about that is um, that I'm creating these kind of environments and stories and try to communicate things visually, uh, which is something that I enjoy more than, for example, talking or writing down things. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we are creating these kind of uh, levels and stories and games, we always come up with some kind of story that we want to communicate and we write it down. And then basically I have some kind of points that I need to communicate in the story. Um, there is some kind of environment. And I think that I enjoy taking uh, the written kind of form and text and story and converting it into a visual experience. And since it is a game, then the player can play it. And also there is this kind of uh, interaction with the player uh, mm -hmm. and uh, the environment and characters in there. And I believe that creating this kind of experience uh, for the player that is kind of visual is something uh, that I kind of enjoy about things. In a way, I believe that I'm much more of a visual person uh, than uh, analytical, analytical or um, text or uh, language person. Yeah. Uh, so that is also why some I sometimes may uh, find it difficult uh, to communicate like uh, we're talking yeah. uh, because I imagine all of these kind of images in my head and that I need to translate them. So it's mm -hmm. in a way, if I was always speaking like different language with others in order to communicate and yeah. I need to translate all of my ideas and all of these things into something else. But when I'm creating the games, I don't need to basically translate uh, the uh, the ideas or, or the things uh, into language and, and a text, but I do it the other way around that I'm translating the text into something visual. Yeah. So I guess it's much more closer uh, to my natural way of communication. And that is probably why I enjoy it uh, quite a lot. That, that makes me curious because um, I've thought a lot about visual spatial intelligence in the past you know I, would you also say that you're a person that uh, doesn't think in words like uh, uh, sometimes they talk about people who have no inner voice like who think mainly in images and not in words would you say you're one of those people I would say that I uh, definitely think more in images but sometimes I wonder whether it's actually the images that I uh, think in or I just prefer to use images as a way to visualize it because mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about abstract concepts, then these kind of things do not have any kind of visuals. You cannot right. draw them because they don't have any kind of 
a form that uh, could be uh, represent. Well, the only thing that you can do is to create a symbol or some representation of the abstract concept, but the abstract concept itself mm -hmm. does not have any vis visualization. And yeah. that is why I guess that when I think, I prefer to do it visually because there is more freedom in yeah. using images. Because when I try to compare text and visuals, then text is basically sequential, line by line, yeah. and it is basically only one direction. But when yeah. you think in images, it's like kind of radial, and you can use space and 3D, and yeah. it's much easier to think about relationships or more complex things as right. they connect to each other compared to the sequential kind of text kind of form. Yeah. And that is why I believe that uh, the visual kind of thinking gives me more freedom in order to um, try to represent these kind of abstract concepts. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure whether the reason why I think visually more is because I because it is something that would be natural or because it is something that I believe gives me more freedom into transform these abstract con concepts to. That's uh, that explanation makes so much sense. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I was curious. I think I know the answer already, but I assume you're also a very creative person. Uh, I would say so, but it yeah. kind of depends also on the definition of creativity. Mm. Um, so some people can look at it from the perspective of being very artistic uh, and creating art and drawing or that's things very like niche. Beach. Yeah. Uh, some other people may even like you, you are also a creator and you do videos. So that mm -hmm. is more audiovisual content. Other people write. do, do uh, podcasts and these kind of things, which are only audio. And it is also yeah. creation. Yeah. Now other people are creating systems or creating some kind of processes and these kind of things. And that is also a creation. Right. So in a way, I think that the basic association that usually people have when someone says that they're creative and then they tend to think about these more artistic things yeah. but in a way if you try to break it down then creation is basically inventing or creating something new from the create yeah uh, and you can create many kind of yeah different like things if we say it's artistic, well, then uh, I'd say uh, Edison or Tesla wouldn't be creative, right? Or Da Vinci, okay, Da Vinci would be creative. But <laughs> uh, basically, uh, to me, how I'm seeing it today is creative people, uh, they are capable of both daydreaming and uh, visualizing ideas um, and uh, making those ideas come to reality. Um, so if you're capable of doing both of those things, I'd say, then you're creative. Uh, so um, I'd say if you're only like thinking about writing books or thinking about stories, but never really write anything or never really make anything, I'd say like you have potential to become creative, but you're not creative yet, you know? And I'd say if you're uh, building things and constructing things and doing things, but you're only doing what everyone else is doing, I'd say you're still not creative. You're you can become creative if you learn to think out of the box and if you learn to like come up with your own ideas, but uh, you're not creative yet. So I think it's that capacity to translate ideas that are your own to the world somehow um, and uh, to make them a reality. And that's very difficult. So I'd say not a lot of people are creative. Like even if you think of, if you have a generous definition where you include, you know, artists, musicians, writers, podcasters, you know, um, it's still not a lot of people in the larger scope of things. So, like you have a lot of people who say, "Oh, I'd love to start my own channel, or I'd love to, you know, write my own book one day." You know, but if you think about it, not a lot of people actually do that, right? Yes, I believe uh, the the hardest thing, because what you were saying, you actually made a really good video that I liked, where you looked at it from the perspective that there are people who are living in the reality and there are people who are daydreaming all the time, but yeah. the real creators are those who try to connect these kind of things together. Yeah. And basically um, that is the creation itself where they convert the ideas into something that can be communicated that is part of the reality. Exactly. That's uh, exactly what I'm saying. And, and I was connecting it uh, to the visual spatial intelligence uh, because my question is, uh, do you think that... Uh, 
uh, and I think you were touching on it a little bit, um, if you would limit yourself to only thinking in words, you wouldn't be able to be as creative. Um, and uh, you need images and symbols and charts and visuals uh, in order to be truly creative and to truly bring new ideas in. I would definitely agree so. In a way, I see words and language only as the trigger or stimulation for the images itself. Yeah. So when I look at the communication, basically the, the, the words I'm saying, uh, their main purpose is for you to trigger the ideas or the meaning that you have learned to attach to these kind of different kind of sounds uh, and, and uh, letters in order to stimulate your mind uh, and bring you the, the memories or associations you have with these kind of things. Uh, because whenever, I think uh, there was this kind of a uh, nice test that it, it was from Tony Buzan. He's basically creating uh, mind maps and these kind of things. And he had this really nice test that when you uh, say a word like a banana, like what do you actually think about when, when I say this? Yellow, uh, monkeys, uh, sports drinks. And if you can think about, uh, have you seen something in your head when I said this word? Have you visualized the yellow color or mm -hmm. did you uh, visualize the letters like yellow spelled no, out? No, I um, saw it visually uh, in my head. Yeah, and basically with this kind of test, uh, he's trying to show uh, that um, basically people think visually. Now, this may not be true for all, all, all people. Some people have um, this kind of condition where they actually cannot visualize things in their head. I think that's I believe, or something. Yeah, but I believe that for most people, people think about things visually. And sometimes it is so quick and short that they uh, may not realize that they actually visualize the thing. And that is why I actually believe that like images and visuals uh, are like higher form of communication mm -hmm. uh, than than language or words. Yeah. Uh, because when I look at it from the perspective uh, of, for example, the sequence versus versus radial, or there is also this kind of uh, saying that uh, one picture is worth thousand words or something yeah. like that, and. One thing that I've been actually studying is also memorization and these kind mm -hmm. of things. Yeah, same. And uh, the people who can uh, memorize the, the the cards, like a deck of cards within uh, just a few seconds, yeah. I've been studying how they're actually doing it. And they're doing it in a way that they're converting all of these kind of words and cards into uh, heavy visually stimulative uh, images so for example they're using the strategy of uh, person uh, action and object so they for all numbers like they have this kind of lists that that for from one to 100 they have picked uh, 100 people 100 actions and 100 objects and then they're converting these cards into numbers and the numbers into images so in a way they're not remembering the cards based on uh, what is written on the card so they're not remembering like diamond king but what they're remembering is the story uh, based on the characters that they convert from the numbers so that is the way of how they are able to memorize so much so quickly because they think about the story like uh, einstein uh kicked a, a basketball, for example, mm -hmm. and they they first converted into this kind of uh, visuals. They remember the story of what happened. And then when they are supposed to basically tell uh, the order of the cards, they just decode it back from the images. That's fascinating. I want to actually jump back to uh, first the images. And I want to get to this one as well, because I think this is also really interesting. Um, but first, uh, in regards to the images, uh, I want to mention Carl Jung, uh, because uh, Carl Jung believed that uh, 
symbols and images uh, were the way the unconscious dialogues with the conscious mind. Um, so we need, uh, and he, call, he even come up with something he called the transcendent function to explain this process. So he said, like, if you want to uh, be able to, because here's the thing, you know, everyone has a conscious reality. You know, they have a, lim a set of programs they run every day, set of things they do at work, you know, standard responses they memorized, you know, uh, a set of words that they have fresh in their head, very close in the mind, in a sense. Uh, however, this set of conscious structures can only do a set of things, so it's limited, you know, and that's why we tend to feel very limited and stuck a lot of the time, you know, we feel like we want to change something in our life, but we have no idea how to do it. Well, thank God we have an unconscious structure of things we can pull from. Um, yeah, technically, our potential is limitless. We have so much we could do, so many things we could learn. Say, you know, you could become a mathematician, you could learn to count cards, as you talked about now. Uh, you could go into poker, become a musician. Like, you could do basically anything you'd like at this point, you know. But how do you get there? Like, how does that happen? How does that transformation even begin? Um, well, it, first it helps if you are already a creative person, if you are good at thinking in images, and if you're good at understanding and entertaining symbolism, because uh, if you're there, because there is no way that you can uh, learn new things from your existing knowledge structure. So um, if you continue to hold on to your knowledge, what you know, your past experiences, you know, keep rationalizing the same things over and over again, nothing is going to change. You know, you can explain more, a million times what, over why you haven't become successful yet or why uh, your relationship is not going the way you want it to or why things are not like working for you. Uh, but uh, images, art, music, those are the kind of things that provoke large shifts in people. So uh, we are mesmerized by symbols and images and like we see like recurring patterns we see numbers repeating themselves we start going what does that number mean why do i keep seeing that number and those kind of things are things that start you know a transformative process in the mind because those get your mind like realizing hey i don't know everything and i have to think of new explanations new words and i have to think of new ways to organize my head to explain this and to make sense of this so it seems that um, if you're able to think visually, um, that already suggests that uh, uh, you can change more easily and that you have more cognitive flexibility. So I wonder, are you a person that uh, uh, changes very quickly? And uh, would you say that you're a person that uh, finds it easy to adjust your behavior or learn new things? I guess in order to answer this, I need to look at it from two perspectives. Uh, one would be basically my values, which I believe that it is something that does not really change that lot, uh, because mm -hmm. I've spent very long time in trying to uh, find them, refine them, clar clarify them, and basically these are the things uh, that I try to stay aligned with the most, and because I've spent so much time into refining them uh, and sticking to them, because I believe that I guess these are the best ones that I could come up, come up with. I have currently three major ones. First one would be justice or fairness. Second one would be freedom or choice. And the third mm -hmm. one would be abundance or basically uh, experience or amount or, you know, even communicating them is kind of different because I, I came up actually to these values uh, by visual exploration Yeah, where I was thinking in in graphs and these kind of things and then convert it into patterns and from there just to find a, a word that will describe these so this is something that i uh, do not change uh, pretty much uh, never i try to stick with these kind of values because i believe those are the ones who create the most amount of positivity not only to me but also to other people right um, because in a way i guess so with uh, discriminating or manipulating you will not get very far and this is something that also people generally accept as not being something uh, positive yeah uh, so when it comes to values i try to be um uh, i try not to change them i try to be very aligned with them and be a person of integrity and to stay aligned with these values with anything that i do 
But when it comes to uh, new concepts and ideas and these kind of things, I am very open to any kind of idea and in order to explore it, even if it may look crazy or stupid or uh, some people may find it offensive, I believe that uh, it is worth exploring it and then yeah. finding the reasons of why it is perceived that way. Because sometimes people may not uh, may only not understand it properly or maybe looking at it only from a limited uh, perspective. And therefore, even though the core idea itself may be actually interesting, uh, only the presentation uh, may be the reason why people may not like it or the person who's communicating it uh, yeah. may have some kind of uh, personal issues that they then try to project on the idea itself, even though the idea itself is separate from the person. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is this uh, big five test, which is uh, measuring this kind of openness to ideas. And that is yeah. pretty much the highest uh, uh, on me Same. being openness to things. Yeah. So when it comes to ideas, concepts, and these kind of things, I am very open to explore many of them. But when it comes to values, I'm very careful with them. Uh, and do not get, uh, do not succumb to uh, changing my values or um, not being aligned with them uh, very easily, right. um, because these are something that I've built on and uh, hold on to uh, yeah. very strong. It's funny you say that because uh, that's the thing. Like I've um, learned that behavior is very flexible. People can learn to do basically anything, and they can. Uh, learn to act like any personality type. You know, an introvert can appear very extroverted if they want to and if they practice and if they do it the right way. Uh, the thing that I noticed is people's values tend to stay relatively consistent throughout most of their life. So uh, if you go down to it, we should be measuring people's personality based on their values, not necessarily based on their stereotypical behavior, because we know that, you know, put a person in a certain group and they'll be very outgoing and social, put them in another group, and they'll be a little bit more reserved and shy. And it depends on what people you're with, and it depends on what situation you're in. Uh, so our behavior is very flexible and changeable, but our values are very difficult to change. You know, that's like the thing they talk about, you know, in Franz Kafka's, you know, War and Peace and other books, you know, they are deep and heavy existential books, but they're essentially about people that mess up uh that, that break their own value system you know that do things they know are wrong and when you do that when you do things that you know are wrong that can mess you up for the rest of your life you know like those are the things that you find yourself losing sleep over like at the end of the night you know like those memories of like situations where you did things you know were wrong and uh so that's it's very hard to convince yourself you can try to say oh I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, you know, but it does. Uh, and it does mess you up. Uh, so being honest about that and recognizing, you know, that I do have values and these things clearly do matter to me. And uh, I clearly should listen to this, honor this as much as I can. It's very positive for your happiness and health and well-being for a long perspective. So when you believe that uh, these kind of values are very important, like do you have any kind of suggestions on uh, how people can come to find them or better define them or gain clarity on them so that they know and can better stay aligned with them? Yeah. Uh, the number one thing I do is say is if you have no idea, if you're absolutely lost, you know, I have no idea what I want. I have no idea about anything. Uh, just go out and do anything. Honestly, just uh, try whatever, you know, like go be try becoming a drug dealer or a mafia boss or something and see how it feels, you know, like, okay, that's pretty extreme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, go out and have relationships and learn from those relationships, you know, crash and burn a few times and notice what did I like about those relationships and what didn't I like about them. Uh, People make it sometimes too hypothetical, especially if you're very anxious, you're very introverted, you're very intuitive, and you're you're like in this situation where you want to overthink everything, and you want to know in your own head what is right before you've even done anything. Uh, but here's the secret, you know, especially for us uh, introverted intuitives. Uh, if you want to uh, develop your introverted intuition, 
you have to develop your extroverted sensing. So you have to go out and have experiences, and then you have to stay back inside and reflect on those experiences and see how those made you feel. And how the, and that's gonna be more, like that's gonna do wonders for your personal philosophy and morals and your worldview and everything. So I guess, uh, in a sense, it will not only be about experiencing, but also about reflecting on the experience. So it's not only experience, but evaluated experience that actually yeah. helps you grow and mature. Yeah. And I think these concepts also apply to the, to the difference between age and maturity, where maturity does not come from age itself. Because there are some people who are very young, but uh, act very maturely. And there are some people who are very old, but still act like a child. Mm. Uh, even though they may have a lot of experiences, if they do not reflect on these experiences, yeah. if they do not try to learn from their own mistakes and analyze what was good, what was bad, uh, then I guess there will be no change. And I believe people who are mature are actually those who are able to change themselves and learn from their mistakes. And that is basically how they uh, gain maturity. And uh, that would be basically my perspective on this. I think that's a very good point. Uh, age does not necessarily mean maturity at all. Um, it's, uh, everyone develops at a different pace. Uh, some people uh, basically born uh, Buddha or Jesus, <laughs> in a sense, uh, with all the wisdom in the world, you know, and some people uh, might experience more troubles and uh, might be at a different pace in life uh, and uh, might figure things out more slowly. And like the most important thing is what you say is pay attention. Like so many people live on autopilot and don't even reflect on their experiences or what they're doing with their life. But, you know, uh, Try your best to pay attention to your decisions, to what people say, to what you feel in the moment, you know, uh, how things influence you, uh, to your actions, are your actions consistent with your values, you know, um, uh, in what ways do you notice that, you know, like, uh, really take the time to notice things. So I had a question because I wanted to jump back to something you said. And that's okay. uh, in regards to, you mentioned justice was one of your core values. And I was yes. wondering how that manifests. Now, the way uh, word justice uh, is also like kind of fairness. So when I'm thinking about values, I think about like the concepts or the abstract definition, and then I just use words in order to communicate them. So justice would be similar to fairness, but not similar to equality, because for example, uh, the difference between equality and fairness is that when with equality you try to keep uh, everyone on the same level and treat everyone based on the same rules yeah. but fairness is different fairness is also um, considering other conditions that yeah. people do not start with the same kind of uh, traits or features or at the same state right. and therefore uh, fair uh, if i should formalize it in the most simple thing then Fairness equals equality plus certain conditions yeah. uh, based on which you try to offset the, the basic inequality. Because right. in the world, people are in, in, unequal. Like people are not born equally, yeah. either based on their nature or nurture. Uh, and therefore, fairness is trying to create equality by applying uh, the conditions in order to offset the inequality in a way. So. Yeah. So perfect equality will not actually be uh, ever achievable uh, because if people start unequal, uh, then it's very difficult to bring them to some kind of equal. And also right. uh, people have different kind of potentials. So treating people the same uh, will actually have different kind of effects on other people. I believe right. you, you know a lot about this, that if you try to treat people like a certain type, you will have very different results if, if you were treating them as different kind of type. Yeah. And uh, that is why the justice or the fairness uh, is for me to try to not treat people equally, but treat them uh, based on fairness and justice in a way that I try to also consider other variables or factors uh, that may be relevant in, the, in that kind of case. And I guess this would be basically my priority value uh, yeah. that 
try to treat people fairly and not only people, but also ideas that is also connected to me being open to other ideas where yeah. I not only try to apply this concept of justice or fairness towards people, but also to ideas. Uh, that means that I will not be uh, prejudiced about any kind of idea uh, just because it may seem wrong, but I will first explore it and really give it at least a chance to uh, maybe find out that um, it may be actually better than it seems on the first first time. Yeah. And I guess this goes uh, also with my other values that I not only try to apply them on a specific case or on specific people, specific objects, but I try to apply them across everything uh, throughout all of my behavior and interactions, not only with living things, but also not living things. And I guess this would be the way of how I would explain it. And because life would be so much easier if there was equality, because then you could just make up the rules and treat everyone the same. Yeah. But because there is this baseline of inequality, uh, then achieving fairness or justice can be sometimes very tricky. Because when you're dealing with inequality and then you try to apply certain conditions uh, to try to balance on certain things in order to make them more equal or right. less less unequal. I guess this would be the best thing that uh, the the concept of justice or fairness is to reduce inequality without actually treating everyone the same. Yeah. Uh, and one of the problems is also when you try to overcompensate uh, that in order to fight injustice, you use injustice and therefore try to use like kind of the same means in order to offset yeah. this but the way of how you're approaching it is actually creating different kind of injustice yeah and that is why also morality is very kind of important factor that i always consider yeah uh, because even though you may say that you are fighting for justice like if you're doing injustice by fighting for justice then is it actually something that would be good to do a moral thing yeah. to do I believe not so, and uh, maybe I'm talking too long, but I think this is also perfectly uh, aligned or connected to uh, superheroes and Batman. And one of the things I admire about Batman is actually that he refuses to fight uh, crime by doing immoral things, and he yeah. is refusing to kill yeah. uh, because there is this one of his quote from his that. Uh, by um, killing others uh, or by killing uh, uh, or doing injustice against uh, villains, then you actually are not a hero, but just a villain fighting other villains. And that is yeah. why uh, justice, morality, and these kind of things are very important to me. Uh, because some people may be blind to the fact that by trying to create a justice, uh, they're just doing more injustice, even though they yeah. don't realize it. So always trying to consider my actions whether even though i may have good intentions maybe i need to also look at other consequences and other people that are connected to uh, the thing i'm doing yeah it's like something i'm learning uh when it comes to you know uh, ideology and politics and so on is that all ideas need protection measurements from themselves uh so uh, it's almost like you need to develop a safety mechanism to protect yourself from your own ideology. Because no matter what ideology you have, uh, no principle, no uh, moral law is so right that it doesn't have exceptions. Uh, and if you live a law 100% completely uh, and perfectly, um, it's going to mess you up uh, over time. You're going to notice that it's not always going to work for you. Um, not even like, you know, absolute compassion in itself uh, will work completely because there are psychopaths and sociopaths in the world that could manipulate that, you know. So nothing uh, in the world, like no matter how good it is, is perfect. Uh, Carl Jung, he had a term for it. He's, he talks about enantiodromia. It's like his warning to the world because what he warns is that if you hold too firm to any ideology, you're going to see it slowly become twisted over time till you become your worst enemy uh 
And he talks about this in the context of Christianity to explain how Christianity, which comes from, you know, the idea of Jesus and, you know, turning the other cheek and uh, treating everyone with kindness, how Christianity has come to be used as a tool for crusades across the world and uh, all kinds of manners of injustice and wrongs, you know. Um, and uh, basically it's that, you know, that self-righteousness that can come from, you know, that I am doing good and I am honoring Jesus and I'm in, in the name of God. That makes becomes like this exception that allows you to do wrong or bad things, kill people even, or persecute people, all in the name of your good ideology and that you're doing the right thing in a sense. So that's something we should all, it's not just for Christians, it's just something everyone should be very aware of, you know. Um, and I think Batman illustrates that principle with the not killing people. That's his safety mechanism. That's how he keeps his own justice ideology from becoming uh, corrupted, basically. Because if he starts uh, pursuing justice at any cost, eventually he's going, to de he's going to devalue his own justice to the point where there is no point to having the justice and to begin with because everyone's just killing everyone it's he's just created some kind of cycle of violence where uh, no laws even matter anymore and he's going to become his own he's going to erode his own value system okay uh, i think uh, this is very good explanation and what could be the kind of uh, solutions like you mentioned that have some kind of uh, uh, safety nets or protocols yeah but uh, what do you think that people because even the villains see themselves as the heroes, like creating this kind of self mechanisms for yourself may not actually be always the thing that you may be even able to do because you may be blind towards your vision so much that you don't realize the impact on others. Yeah. So what would be your kind of stance or perspective also on criticism and being open to uh, basically criticize others and their views? Not, not in in a way to degrade them, but maybe to uh, show them the perspective they may not be uh, looking at or they may be blind to. Yeah. So this is one I got from Dale Carnegie's uh, "How to Become Everyone's Friend and How to Influence People," which is a really a great book. It sounds like it's super malicious and manipulative, but it's actually quite a fair and nice book that talks about the importance of being being sincere and honest uh so uh what he argues in that book is uh, uh that um, everyone is right from their own point of view um so if you can recognize that you can't really judge anyone because if you were in their shoes you'd make the same decisions that they would if you were uh, had experienced what they experienced and lived their life and uh, up to that point you would have made the same decision so uh, we can't really hold too much resentment uh, towards other people because we have to understand everyone is coming from somewhere, you know. And um, there is, he gives some great examples there. It's like one of them that they stuck with me was uh, uh, don't judge people by your own principles, uh, judge people by their own principles. So if you know what people want, and if you can pay attention to other people and their values and their feelings and their needs, and if you can consider that, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for you to live in harmony with other people and to um, essentially uh, live as a human being in the world. You know, because uh, uh, it's easy to be high-minded and perfect and to think that you know everything and that you have all the answers. Uh, uh, but uh, if you choose to live that way, uh, you're, you're not going to have any friends. You're not going to be able to like connect with people and build relationships and you know uh, um, succeed in the world because uh, uh, everyone has that. You know, everyone has their own values and everyone has their reasons for things. Um, so, yeah, you have to find a way to align your values and principles with the values of other people. And I believe that MBTI and psychology may be a nice way to kind of get at least introduced in this kind of uh, things you were talking about differences yeah. between other people where sometimes people may uh, have this kind of tendency to project their own values onto others and then basically uh, ju judge them by their own values not realizing that people have different kind of values and behave differently and therefore mbti and 
this uh, theory of 16 personalities and trying to understand uh, people uh, and their differences between them may be nice introduction to people, realizing the differences between people and uh, learning more, not only about others, but also about themselves and how they're behaving uh, towards other people. So therefore, I believe that uh, what you're doing uh, has a lot of uh, potential in helping uh, people and the whole world as a whole. Uh, so I guess, uh, uh, do you have any kind of uh, closing thoughts or your message to the world that you would like to uh, say to everyone? Oh, no, yes. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, this was a fascinating discussion. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna, uh, you made me think about several things, uh, justice, visual spatial intelligence. Uh, so I'm gonna think about those things. And uh, yeah, I hope we can have more discussions like this in the future. Okay, so uh, thank you for coming. And I guess uh, maybe we'll see each other again later. Sounds good. To find out more about Eric, make sure to visit his YouTube channel Eric Thor and don't forget to subscribe.